on today's episode of Strike Gold. We have Alex Katz talking about the secrets of Pornhub's marketing campaigns. And yeah, you have to market porn. to Strike Gold with Jonathan Conn and Roy Pervarchik. And today I have the honor, I mean, full out honor to have someone I've been trying to get on the podcast for a while now. No excuses, Alex. Alex Katz. Hey guys, how's it going? Hey man, what's up? What's up? Very glad to be here finally. Been very, very, very busy. Sorry about that. <laughs> and I know Jonathan has been harassing you yeah, it's over been, and over again. I've been sending yeah, him nude photos. I've been, 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 been doing anything. A good kind of harassment. I like it. It worked. Yeah. It worked. He seduced me eventually. Here I am. So that, Well, that's what that's, Jonathan does. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. I, that's how I got this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jonathan brings me in and then you kill me, right? That's the, that, that's, <laughs> that's, how, that's the trick. So, Officer and Gentleman is your agency. Yes, sir. Okay, so I've been following it unknowingly from the first campaign that you did with with Pornhub. I know that you have insane, you have an insane roster of different clients, uh, which is incredible. But for me, there was this campaign. You know, when you see a campaign, it doesn't matter who's doing it, and you're just like, whoever did that is a fucking genius. So I've been seeing it, and actually... Funny enough, Roy, you don't know this, but the way that me and Alex actually connected was because I don't use Twitter. You know, for me, Twitter yeah. is uh, I, I'm I'm Instagram. I Instagram the uh, yeah, need, the Twitter for dyslexics. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I work by pictures, and I posted that the uh, campaign by Pornhub for the Olympics was the best thing to come out of the Olympics this year, and all of a sudden I get a, a tweet back that says, "Thanks," <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like. No fucking way. And he's like, yeah, we, we did the campaign. It's very humble, by the way, of you to just be like, yeah, we kind of like, we, we did it. Like, <laughs> I was like, that's incredible. And since then, I've been this, uh, this fangirl and just following everything that I can possibly follow that you guys are doing. Um, and you've been, again, awesome. And, uh, and yeah, now I, I think I should let you talk about yourself yeah. at this point because Roy's like you saying, don't, you don't, you don't Roy, see it, Roy Alex, thought I was Jonathan is tearing up. He's like crying there's a little one, bit. There is one tear. He's sobbing right a little bit. Well, I, thought, yeah, I, I thought those t-shirts you made with our faces on them were very cute. So thank you. Ah, uh, thank you. Yeah. yeah, I think Roy's just jealous at this point. Because uh, <laughs> I used to be a fanboy of Roy. <laughs> now that we yeah, work together, I, I, we're I, just got, I just got a big pic through Snapchat. That's <laughs> yeah, how we met. I haven't got one of those yet. I just get video oh. of. Well, I wanted. I was looking to impress. I was uh, looking to impress. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Okay, so I'll let you talk about you for a couple of seconds about your amazing, uh, amazing uh, agency. Okay, so let me, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of background on, on myself first. So I'm originally from Miami, Florida. Uh, well, there's a Miami, Ohio, in case there was any, any confusion there. Uh, originally from Miami, I moved here to Spain about 10 years ago, 11 years ago. Um, originally just to learn Spanish and ended up, I had studied advertising in, in university. And I ended up at Miami Ad School. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it, but it's a, it's a kind of advertising portfolio program that you do once you've graduated. And I hadn't really learned much in university, and I began doing the portfolio program here. And through that program, I met who's been my creative partner for the last 10 years and now is my partner in the agency, uh, Javi Inigas de Ansonio. 
and who's here from here in Spain. And through that program, we ended up originally starting working at Christian Porter Boguski in the United States, which where we actually got a, a made a lot of inroads into the way we think now and in, into the kind of world of really truly creative advertising, kind of out of the box stuff. And then after about seven years of doing the rounds in different agencies here in in Madrid, small independent agencies, but really like the top. Um, creative agencies known more for their ideas than than really for the big you know the big clients they have or the the, the huge roster they have. Um, we, interestingly enough, Pornhub launched this uh, this contest to find a creative director. So uh, my partner and I were were sitting there and we had this like crazy idea. We said, okay, well let's just you know let's put this video together. Um, and let's submit it to the contest and see what happens. Because we, we had seen some of the, the things that people had put up and it was really kind of more amateur stuff. So we said, oh, well, we work in this industry. Let's see what this is. We had jobs. We never thought like we're going to be the creative directors for Pornhub or anything like that. But we said, that's oh, a cool client. Let's see what we can do. And we came up, came up with this idea called Titcoins, which was basically based on the, the fact that the economy was in recession and it was during the time when Bitcoin first kind of um, kind of hit the world and everyone was talking about it, not as big as it was like last year, but it was, you know, when everything was all about cryptocurrencies. So we came up with this idea where it was, um, if you show your tits, uh, it, it you can get free things at bar. I, I remember the video. The yeah. video was about yeah, the bartender and she's like, I don't have any money. And then it goes, yeah. and so right. he uploads those pictures to Pornhub and he gets Pornhub premium for free in return for, uh, for giving her the beers or whatever. So it, it was like this, this, uh, a new form of economy. And we even, we're going to donate all the proceeds to, uh, breast cancer research so that we could help keep a healthy market going and, and things like that. So it was filled with the kind of it basically laid the groundwork for the tone that that we used and have used with Pornhub up until today. So, Did that go live? Uh, what, what? Did that go live? Yeah, so that went live. So because I've seen the video, so like I'm like, how, how did this was a pitch and it actually went live? So basically, how it worked was this was like an open creative director contest. So we submitted uh, our our piece to their uh, to their their contest platform, and then within like two days it had like two million views and it became yeah. Pornhub at that point had never had a video that had more than 10,000 views it was huge for them so they contacted us and they were like guys this is really great um, this is definitely going to be uh, in the, the the finalists for the contest or whatever and then the, the finalists came out and it wasn't among uh, among them so we wrote them kind of a, a mail saying hey guys what the hell you told us this this and this and that and, and they, they wrote us back saying, no, look, because of this reason or that reason, uh, it was considered like slightly too risque for the, the contest or whatever. But um, we'd really like to work with you guys. So if you guys have anything you want to pitch, uh, we'd love to hear it. So we were did super they, Did I, they end up hiring a creative director that you yeah, worked well, with? Yeah, well, they ended up hiring a guy, but uh, I mean, this is uh, – it was a publicity stunt. So there was a guy oh, okay. that won the contest but it, it kind of ended at that so um we we ended up talking wait, wait, one more question about titcoin sorry just because, yeah. again fanboy here uh in the origin story no i'm sorry no um it was fully animated yes 
It was so you guys actually invested in having it animated? Yeah, for so the pitch? We, we invested a very, very small amount. If you if you look at the kind of evolution of the animation that we've done between then and and the kind of pieces we've done we've done now, we decided to invest a little bit of money, and I think it was like five hundred euros or something like that, because we really believed in the idea. We're like, wow, this could be really big. It's really funny. Let's go for it. So yeah, we invested awesome. in it. Uh, this guy made it. And it I mean, it ended up being a, a very good investment, but at the time we didn't know, we just were like, I think at the time, um, like many creatives were working in an agency, we're doing good work, but you always are kind of hungry to do more things. And you're really excited to, you know, to, to, to make ideas that get out there and people get excited about. And I think this was just kind of an, a really good opportunity for us to, to show what we could do. And so we, we seized that opportunity. We came up with this idea. We sent it to them. And and basically what it resulted in was them calling us and saying, look, uh, if, if you guys want to pitch something, like something real, we're open to it. So what we did is uh, Javi and I went back to the drawing board. We, we came up with an entire strategy for the brand based on creating safer work advertising, based on creating conversation and, and uh making ideas that um, were centered around other things that people were willing to talk about that wasn't necessarily porn, right? So it was like conversation. One of the things that you mentioned about this this process, which is something I, you said you do in your agency and, and correct me, is, is that you um, people pitch headlines rather exactly. than pitch full-out concepts. Exactly. So that's actually, and, and credit where credit is due, that is a form of thinking that comes from Chris and Porter Boguski, which was one of the pioneers in this kind of earned media advertising and, and kind of unconventional digital advertising. So basically the idea is that if you want to create a campaign that you want the news to cover, because obviously, I mean, not even with Pornhub, who doesn't have the opportunity to uh, to, to get on TV spending, even, you know, it doesn't matter how much they're willing to spend. Nobody will, will put their, their commercial amongst the other advertisers. It just won't happen. So, uh, one of the really important things in a lot of the work we've done at a lot of agencies has been earned media, right? So it's like, how do we come up with an idea that based on the merit of the idea and just the, the creativity of it alone, um, has the ingredients that people are going to pick it up, that the press is going to pick it up. And that's very hard to do, to, to come up with an idea that's newsworthy. So you need to make something that's really different, really interesting. And that's always the, the, the strategy with Pornhub. So how do we ensure that the ideas we come up with will be newsworthy? Well, we work on, on with press releases. So when somebody pitches an idea to me, or even we pitch ideas internally into the client, we, we, come, we, we reduce the idea down to a headline. So what's going to make me want to know more? So for the, the example for Titcoins is uh, Pornhub creates uh, cryptocurrency using bare breasts, right? You say, whoa, what's that? And in the age of clickbait, that's what it's all about, right? It's all about hearing just enough to want to know more. And then when they know more, I mean, obviously you have to hit them with a concept and with a, a piece of content or a video, whatever that's. Uh, deserve yeah, that kind of that's kind of the whole that's the whole setup of a of a pitch really right so exactly. if you say if you start pitching the idea from the first sentence they're in then yeah. you really win 
And we actually had a podcast where we interviewed uh, Amir Shvat, which uh, he works at Twitch. He worked at all kinds of other places. And one of the things that they were talking about was that that's actually part of the way that they pitch uh, new features for the product is they pitch the headline or the PR release that would come out with it. And if it's exciting enough, that's how they do it. And it was so interesting when I heard you say that in one of the events that you were in. Um, I, I thought that was great. That's like really, really a smart way of doing it. No, and it works. It works. It really works. And it's something akin to what they call the elevator pitch. So there used to be this idea that, um, and, and, and I've, I don't know anybody who's actually done it. I know people who do a taxi pitch. But basically the idea was, if you can pitch the idea in the elevator ride to the office, then it's a good yeah, idea. But you understand? But you understand that's actually now such a like an old way of thinking because exactly. that's too much talking. Exactly. That's like no one wants to. No one even wants to waste that much amount of time. But if you have that headline, you win. And it's really I love that. I think that's fantastic. And I think that it's a new thing that people should really uh, adapt into all their uh, creative pitches. No, and it's a fantastic way of working. And I've talked to a lot of creatives that have come out of Christian Porter that still use that. In, no matter what agency they're in, no matter if it's the, the agency is kind of pushing that kind of thinking or presentation or whatever, they, they use that no matter what, because it works. I mean, it really does work. Mm-hmm. It's not for every idea um, because not every idea is about making a press release, right? So a lot yeah. of ideas are much more conceptual. Um, you know, if I get a thing and I'm like, okay, it's a TV ad. Well, I don't need to earn media per se because I'm already on TV. I already have that media space. But at the same time, I think it's one of the things that our agency specializes in is, is creating conversation with our campaigns so uh, so that we don't have to invest the money in pushing the campaign. So the perfect example is the fact that Pornhub, uh, apart from the fact that Pornhub is banned from Facebook, uh, we can't do print advertising in newspapers. We can't do billboard advertising. We can't do television advertising. We can't do pre-rolls on YouTube. Just to give you a few um, things, we can't do banners on mainstream sites that relink to Pornhub. Um, and Pornhub does not invest in media. So absolutely every ad that we've done, whether it has you know a million or 10 million views, that's all completely uh, organic. But that comes from the idea being strong enough that the video will go viral. Now, that's not something you can control 100%. And, and it's, you know, you, you, it, sometimes you think you, you have the, the formula set and, and the thing flops. And sometimes you think there's no way people are going to like this and it's a huge hit. So, you know, it's hard to know, but as long as you're working with the base of the ingredients, you're successful more often than you're not successful. So I think, yeah, I think it's, I think it's also has to do with your, I want to like, I know this is a little more personal than, than the regular situation, but if I, on your Instagram and on your Instagram story, uh, another place I stalk you, um, you, you can see that you have the excitement about the nostalgic things that are relevant today. You can see that you have uh, an understanding of what's trending, what's really hot. Right. And that's something that, you know, as a creative person trying to do digital marketing, that's super important. So, yeah, you have the ingredients in the formula of saying, let's pitch uh, the headline. Let's do this and this and this. But really recognize the ones that are more likely to go viral. You have to be someone who's, you know, very in tune with trends and what's going to be hot and what's hot. Well, that's okay. So that's the other ingredient. Right. I mean, more than just like you said, the way of presenting. I think that the strategy with Pornhub has been 
So if you look and you say, okay, I, I need to come up with an idea that is going to be interesting to everybody. So what do you do? You start looking at, like you said, you start looking at the trends. What's everybody talking about right now? And how can I get into that conversation? Because you, if so, the, the, the examples and, and the examples go one after the other with the Pornhub campaigns. But the one we came out with after uh, Titcoins was Wank Ban. So the Wank Ban was the, the gist of the idea was we created a kinetic charger like those flashlights that you shake to charge and we put it on your wrist. And basically, uh, when you're watching Pornhub and doing the deed, the, the movements of your wrist generate energy and you can use that electricity to recharge the computer you're using to watch porn, right? So in, in the essence of the idea, you go, okay, it's a silly idea. It's funny, but you know, it's a silly idea. It was one of the most successful campaigns we had, but the ingredients in that idea were the whole idea was based and worked around the fact that it was wearable tech, which mm-hmm. this was the year of wearable tech when it came out. Everything was wearable tech. Everything was smart watches. Everything was fitness trackers. And, you know, and it, it, even if you look to Can that year, you saw that all of the advertising campaigns were some kind of wearable tech. What we did was instead of trying to reinvent the wheel, we took something old and we used that technology as a way to create a conversation about Pornhub, right? So most of the people were talking about, oh, the new wearable tech or whatever. And, and that was a way for us to get into, for example, publications like Wired, like CNET, like Gizmodo that would never cover Pornhub, but suddenly it's a technology story, right? right. And, and we're talking about wearable tech, which is what everyone else is talking about already. So we're already in the conversation, hijacking it a little bit. Can, can I ask a distribution question for a second? Yeah. Um, so... As you said, a lot of it is focused on earned media and a lot of the campaigns, like a lot of people get to see the campaigns first, like on websites like Mashable, Wired and stuff like that. Uh, how would you go from like, you create the campaign, the campaign is live. How do you go? Do you just do a PR pitch to all these uh, places exactly. saying, hey, yeah, like a, like a classic PR pitch with that story? Exactly. So what we do is we create a super standard press release. Um Basically with, so I, I think a lot of it, first of all, has to do with, you know, how news works now. So, you know, these guys are publishing on the digital editions of, of these um, publications. They're publishing 50 stories a day. And some uh, writers are publishing two up to two to three stories a day. We send them a press release that is pretty much guarantees clickability because the, the idea, I mean, not guarantees, but you know, that's the, the intention guarantees click through because it has like a really kind of spicy headline. And we leave the press release written in such a way with quotes, with jokes, with the you know, full background of the idea. We re- we leave it written in such a way that they can almost publish the press release as is. And so that helps you see that it gets picked up by a lot of them where they basically ad lib our press release with three or four different changes and they get amazing return on it. So there's a lot for them. It's a Pornhub pitch is very attractive, which is not something that was that we just knew was going to be like that. I mean, it's what has grown to to kind of become the the, the standard for us with the press over the years. Um, But. They basically, yeah, we do like a sweeping PR pitch. We, we do embargoes on a few. So we say to a few people, um, look, you get it first. 
we send it to you three or four days before so you can try out the website or watch the video or we'll send you a wank band or whatever so you can write like a more in-depth piece and then other people we just do a wide pitch so that it 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 seems pretty cut and dry but then there's all sorts of factors that can interfere with that like if Pornhub had a uh, uh, another campaign three weeks ago in Mashable, well, Mashable is probably not going to cover us again because they no. don't want to be known as basically Pornhub's mouthpiece, right? And, you know, they don't want to be the one that's constantly covering Pornhub. So, so I want to ask like a, a follow-up question because I've like I've I've been to a lot of PR campaigns for different startups and tech companies, and what you're describing in terms of how the PR pitch is set up, it's it's. Uh, That's how a lot of those companies do it, and they don't get the same attention. Like, it doesn't work for them. Yeah. So so it's, it's not like the formula is, like, wins every time. It's something that you guys have very special in how you do it that, that, is, uh, that resonates and works well. Well, Now, I... Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you, do, you think, do you think the brand that... Because I, I'm, I'm... Like, for now, I'm saying now, yeah, it's Pornhub, so everybody wants to write because it's interesting. But I'm guessing that that's, like, because you did such a great job that now that if I feel now that everybody wants to write about... A funny or interesting story from Pornhub but I'm guessing a few years ago that was not the case at all so I'm wondering how did you build that rapport with those uh, with like with the uh, publications so so it goes two ways so first of all Pornhub has their relationships with them um, Pornhub does most of the PR pitching themselves and then on our side we do another round of PR pitching to a lot of European publications other worldwide publications and then everything that's industry like campaign ad week you know things like that ad age um, the I think a part of the thing and this is very interesting do you guys know about Pornhub insights have you ever seen so I'll give the you an example. Yeah, yeah so whenever there's like uh, uh, the okay Super Bowl is a perfect example so every year when there's Super Bowl Pornhub publishes the next day um, the drop in Pornhub traffic during the Super Bowl Right. So those are little like tidbits of information, which are super interesting for articles for people, because it's something really quick. Um, a lot of people click through to it. Um, and sometimes the insights are very interesting. Like when there was the I don't know if you guys know this story, but when there was the bomb scare and the missile scare in Hawaii last year, when they you know, somebody in the government reported a missile warning that there was an incoming missile to the island of Hawaii. And Pornhub usage spiked when, when that happened. So more people went on Pornhub after they thought they were going to die with a missile strike, right? So it's like those kind of things are, make really interesting stories. And Pornhub has created like a really, really good rapport with the press through those stories. So a lot of times the press contact them directly and are like, hey, do you guys have an insights thing about the Oscars or whatever? We'd like to publish that. So uh, through that, awesome. they've, they've created a great relationship. And then it's just a one-by-one -one basis. It's like if, if uh, CNET publishes Pornhub story, you know, and they get really good results on it, they'll continue to publish Pornhub stories. Moderately, not every day, but they'll continue to do it. How that yeah. grew from the very beginning, um, it's hard to say because I think with the first – Pornhub was already doing kind of interesting stuff, starting to do, especially when you look at the competitors. I mean, there's nobody else in the industry that does anything. Um, 
or, or had had any success really in, in, in doing advertising for, for an adult website. But Pornhub had started to do these little activations, like a thing for Arbor Day. They did, you know, they did some little videos and stuff. And I think they started to build a rapport for the press because of that. But I really think Wankban, which was the first one that we did, and Titcoins were two of the campaigns that really got them into the into some of the big publications for the first time. So that's when we started getting covered by like I think Wankban was in the Independent, and it was in it was on BBC, and it was in the New York Post, and you know these really really big publications. I think it's a process, so it's building relationships over time with the publications, not necessarily with the journalists, because you know journalists move around a lot; they go from one place to the other. And at the same time, like you said, you can do the same PR pitch and not get picked up. So there's times when we pitch an idea um, that we think will get picked up by, you say, oh, this is one for Wired for sure, and they don't pick it up. But five other ones pick you up who have never done it before. So it's, you know, it's, I don't think it's an exact science. Uh, even for anybody working in PR, they know it's not an exact science. And, and like Jonathan was saying before, you really have to be playing a bit with like the zeitgeist. You, you have to be in on the conversation you have to be doing something that's not just interesting to the guy who receives the pitch, but what he thinks is going to be interesting to his readership, right? So it's not an exact science, but they're all different pieces that work toward getting the idea out there. At the same time, um, a lot of time, if an idea just goes viral on its own, then it ends up getting picked up. So if suddenly the thing's got a million views in a day, uh, other people yeah, recognize Titcoin. that viral. Yeah, exactly. People like Titcoin, recognize because I saw viral. Titcoin. I did not see Titcoin on a pitch for a creative director. I just saw it on a on a website. I think it might have been even a 9gag.tv, which is funny yeah. because now I don't think they exist anymore. But generally one of those kind of websites. And they I was do. like, oh, this yeah. is hilarious. 9gag.tv still exists? 9gag 9gag TV exists because we were up we were on the homepage for like two weeks last year. Oh, um, really? No, uh, last year. I don't know if they exist anymore. Oh, I, well, that would be true. I guess they <laughs> exist, it's just nobody cares. No, no, no. I've, I used to think that, I, I know they were re regurgitating a whole bunch of different creatives and campaigns that existed before, but uh, but at the same time, it was like kind of like a nice thing to, to go to every once in a while just to feel a little more inspired. But yeah. nowadays, I think they just have, no, they haven't moved at all since a couple of years ago. Like, it's just, it's dormant. There's nothing oh. going on here. Um... Yeah, I just open it up. See, that's the benefit of doing this on a computer. <laughs> Anyways, um, so uh, there, there's yeah. a couple of ways. Just a quick thing. So there is, and I know a couple of creative people who have done this before. I have not had the pleasure to do this yet, but creating the actual device. Um, you know, obviously you would assume that the idea needed that to kind of really work. Yes. So I just wanted to know, like, what was it, you know, what did you, what do you do at that point? You're like, okay, great. Now we have to create a device. You're not necessarily a person who, you know, creates devices. You're more a person who creates ideas or you exactly. might be a person who creates designs, but you're not necessarily, or even scripts and stuff like that. But creating a, a product all of a sudden is kind of like a challenge. So I, I would chalk it up to two things. First of all is the agencies that we've worked with over the years, um, are really kind of gung-ho in those kind of things. It's like, if it doesn't exist, you just make it. So that kind of mentality of, well, we just come up with an idea and we'll figure out how to make it later. 
um, is kind of embedded in us. We, that's just how we think about that's everything. exactly that's the Israeli uh, startup industry. <laughs> like, that's it. If we can think of it, it can be made. Um, it's the Spanish creative industry too. So it's like so we think about things like that way, and because we worked a lot in these kind of. Uh, agencies where it's like, oh, uh, you know, what's one way to get your idea out there? Well, you make an invention, you know, because, you know, inventing something new is always interesting to, to, to people, it's right? memorable. Coverage. Um, but with the Wank Band, the Wank Band, so the Wank Band is like a good case. And, and I think uh, Javi and I do a lot of talks about, um, we, you know, they invite us to different places to give talks about the work we do. And um, one of the talks we gave was specifically about the use of technology and in advertising campaigns and, and using that to like create a bridge with the audience and, 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 and kind of generate conversation. So um, what happened with the wank band was first of all, we we're like, well, this exists. So it can't be that hard that the, the technology exists. But what we say in these talks always is we're not rocket scientists. I mean, we don't know anything. We just come up with these ideas, but what we do is we partner with people who know what they're doing. So the, the, with the wank band, the first thing we did was partner with an industrial designer uh, who helped us create like the actual, what the actual design of the product would be. And then we partnered with these guys uh, in Madrid. You should really check them out because they're amazing. They're called the Espada y Santa Cruz. And they're like a innovative production agency. So they, they, they're a production agency, standard production agency where they, they film and they do photo and stuff like that. But they're also like creative technological geniuses these guys invent anything you can come up with they can build it and they don't not just that they can build it they build it well and it works so we we partner with them um they built the prototypes for us but it was a process it was very difficult it was not cheap because in the end we produced i think 25 of them and they were about a thousand bucks a piece to produce Holy because you're shit. doing if, if you were to yeah, produce small, small, I know. Them, they would cost 25 cents. But, you know, when you're doing small prototyping, you have to build a mold to make the bracelet and everything. So it it's a process. It's a process. You, you, you kind of research before you pitch the idea to make sure you're not pitching something that can't be done. Um, so you, you do you do your 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 due diligence and you make sure because you don't want to end up looking like an asshole and saying, oh, hey, guys buy this idea. And then they say, okay, let's produce some. You say, well, that's impossible. Uh, they don't, yeah. um, but you know, and even still the one we made was a prototype. I mean, it was, it was, it, it worked to charge your phone like 5% after, after a charge. But for us, that was enough to, you know, proof of concept and to prove that, you know, we actually built this thing. Yeah. Um, but it's that, I mean, you just kind of dive in and you figure out how to do it and you, you make sure that you, you don't overestimate, which a lot of people do, overestimate your own knowledge of things, right? So it's like, I don't go, oh, well, I came up with this idea, so I should know how to build it. No, that's ridiculous. You know, we, we come up with the idea and we, we go, okay, who do we talk to? Who can we trust to build something like this? Who can advise us on that? <laughs> I'm working on an idea um, right now for another client, which I can't really reveal, but basically it's taking a, sports product like a, a ball for a game and and completely reworking it so it becomes you know so it has a, a second function to it right uh, it's never been done before and so i spent yesterday two hours with a researcher who's been doing prototyping has been doing testing investigation all these things and they cost money i mean it costs money you don't get it done for free 
but they're the kind of things that through trial and error and through years of doing these kind of campaigns, you learn that you have to do, there's a process to doing these kind of things, right? You pitch the idea, they like the idea, you start investigating how to actually produce it. Uh, then you get into the nitty gritty of producing production, which could take, you know, so you guys are talking about the startup industry. If I was to produce a, something like the Wank Band, a, a model for consumer production, it could take three or four years. And we do these things in three months. So yeah. it's like, uh, there's a bit of, you know, we can always take refuge in the fact and hide behind the fact that it's a prototype, which helps us, right? Because it's like, yeah. we don't have to have anything perfect. But at the same time, we're coming out with a Pornhub campaign in a month where we created a, a piece of clothing um, that performs a function that's never been done before. And we had to build that from scratch and invent it. And there's, a, there's just a lot of trial and error. But it's the, the payoff is huge, right? Because when you, you, you come up with something that's never been done before, well, first of all, there's the satisfaction of saying that, like, shit, I invented something. Like, yeah, inventing and compared to, like, just, you know, being the creative who comes up with ideas is a very different thing. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, I didn't just write that commercial. I came up with that product. I came up with that app. I came up with that, you know, whatever. And I, I don't think it's, you know, to be clear and be reasonable, it's not something that's at all um, uh, specific to us. I mean, I think it's a trend in advertising in the advertising industry, possibly like a way overdone trend, which is why we don't take it too seriously. You know, like in the last few years, everything's been inventing some kind of uh product or or service to help save the world right even though the, mm -hmm. the company is a bank or or it's tied or it's whatever you know so yeah. that you know we were kind of having a laugh at that when we created these Pornhub campaigns and we kind of still do because everything uh, you guys will notice everything we say at the beginning is this is our answer to save the world right we exaggerate these problems like they're really huge problems that people have and then we solve them with with our idea and people get it and people get the joke but that's the whole idea right and people want to have something to laugh in and that that they can kind of be in on right yeah. so in in that respect like um the technology is like super important to us the use of technology uh, not for every idea it's what the idea kind of asks for but it's not really technology it's more innovation so it's like how can we do something completely new that hasn't been done before? And when you're talking about advertising, just purely like doing a spot or a graphic, it's not that easy to do because everything's been done. So, you know, we, we start looking in, in other areas, I guess. There was, there was something you said in one of the um, interviews that you did that I really liked. Uh, someone asked you, uh, when have you ever had a campaign that failed or when when do you see that things fail and your answer was very interesting you said when when we try to attack something that's already been done that we've already done so if we did an annual campaign for christmas the second and third and fourth time it starts going less and less and less yeah. And this is interesting because yeah. you know there are many companies who do an annual type of thing and, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I think when we're talking specifically about something that has to do with grabbing, and this is really funny because it's not grabbing the world's attention as much as it's grabbing the 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 press, the person who's gonna write about you. Yeah. The second time he comes across another uh Pornhub Christmas campaign, 
he turns around and goes, ah, I already kind of like did this, you know, like that kind of thing. And I thought that was very, very interesting. So that's, it's kind of, I think I mentioned it before too. It's kind of that burnout you get right from, from the press. It's like, why would it, you know, if the headline is year one, Pornhub creates a Christmas hat, it doesn't matter what the content is. It's that Pornhub creates a Christmas hat. So when the headlines year two, Pornhub creates a Christmas hat, no matter what is behind that, it's never going to have the strength as year one, right? It's never going to be as original and it's not going to be something that no one's ever heard before. So it that's like, yeah, exactly. It inevitably starts to go stale, you know, those, those ideas. And, and so you have to, so this yeah, is but, a great, but there are, but you look at, but look at the comparison of uh, what is it called? John Lewis, John Lewis, right? John Lewis does the Christmas ads, right? I'm not exactly. messing up the name. If you so, rec- if you listen to the podcast, you know I suck at names. But generally, the he does a he does an annual Christmas ad, and people wait for it in some way. Like I wait to see what's going to come out because they're on TV. That's the yeah, difference. exactly. That's the difference. And they have so something to sell. And they have something to sell. You know, Pornhub doesn't have anything to sell during Christmas. It's you know we do it because it's it's PR. It's getting the name out. It's it's the Pornhub way of doing things. But John Lewis, first of all. If I were to tell you what our investment in spots compared to a John Lewis spot, no, no, I understand that. I, I get that. You would laugh and then cry. But the 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 idea I think there is that our idea originally was that we said, okay, well, let's make the Pornhub Christmas ad an institution. The problem is that our goals for Pornhub are different. So you know, our intention was that at the beginning we said, and that's why we did so many. We did three years of well, we did two Christmas ads and a Hanukkah ad. And we were supposed to do a Christmas ad this year, which I would love to tell you about um, because uh, Google did the exact same ad. Um, I'll tell you about it now. But the idea is that, that it's like we, you know, and it's trial and error, right? We learned basically that when I make a statement like that in a talk, like, well, the second, the third, that's because I've learned that. That's because I've learned that through trial and error that, you can try to do it, but an annual Christmas ad online for a place like Pornhub that relies on the press to move their their content as opposed to a media plan, people don't judge it on the merit of, oh, that's a good Christmas ad or not a good Christmas ad. They judge it on the merit of, oh, that's a viral campaign or that's not a viral campaign. And, and so I think that's really important to, to uh, the reason I, I, I brought that up and why I think it's so, so important is because there are, and this is, um, I kind of mentioned this to you before, the way I see these, the, the way that you're approaching this and the, dis, and the actual disadvantages of working with one that can't be uh, published on, face, uh, on Facebook or on TV or in newspapers and print um, is that there are many different companies that are looking for the same thing, whether we're talking about companies like medical marijuana or, you know, you know, marijuana, the marijuana industry, which is growing where they can't be on Facebook and they can't be on TV and they have all these different limitations or, and this is kind of like might surprise you a little, well, I'm assuming it won't surprise you, but there are many startups that are, that don't have, that are bootstrapped or that don't really have the option to go and really create a campaign or, and and they're just, they're really just hoping for someone to catch (laughs) <laughs> They're just trying to do some PR with some sort of a creative, create a video, put a lot of budget on that and try to get it out there. So when I, when you said that, it it really got me because I said, wow, that is a limitation that companies that are startups and medical marijuana and stuff are going to have. 
it's not necessarily going to be the hottest thing if they repeat something. Exactly. And it needs to be, they need to invent something new every time to kind of get people's attention or at least to get the press to, to take it up. Well, exactly. You can only talk about marijuana so much. Like you can only talk about porn so much. I mean, if you look at our ads, we don't talk about porn. I mean, sometimes we do, but in we don't talk about the actual content. Like, look what we have on here. So you think about a startup, say it's like, okay, I've created a, a product to clean up dog shit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how exciting is that story year after year? Right. It's exciting when it first comes out, but it's very difficult to get people that they're like, okay, I've heard about that before. I already heard about the dog shit thing. Okay. Enough. Next. I want to hear, you know, people want new, 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 new all the time. And that's, you know, that's the strategy with Pornhub. It's always doing something new. Marijuana is going to have that same problem because you, you essentially, so if you look at Pornhub and this is kind of people ask us all the time, why does Pornhub need to do advertising, right? So Pornhub has 100 million unique visitors a day. Why does Pornhub need to do advertising? Part of the reason they have that many uh, visitors is advertising, but it's not advertising the way you think about it. So it's not advertising saying, hey, visit Pornhub. It's branding. So like none of the none of Pornhub's competitors have ever branded themselves. Pornhub is essentially the only adult company that has a personality, that people know, right? So if you think of a, if you say name a porn, a porn site, people say Pornhub, even if they don't visit Pornhub, you know, it, it's, it's turning the brand into an icon, making the brand relevant constantly that makes people want when, when they have a choice between two things that are essentially equal, right? Like porn. I mean, what porn and Pornhub guys don't kill me, but what Pornhub essentially offers is the same thing that their competitors offer. You know, the differences yeah. are, are minute. Uh, there's different videos when you're talking about millions and millions of videos, that doesn't really matter. So what you have to do is differentiate the brand because you can't differentiate the, differentiate the product. I just want to be and, very clear. I've done the research and I think maybe even Roy might've done the research of going and checking the content of Pornhub. We did an extensive <laughs> uh, research on this. We well, did it together. But <laughs> we, have an, we have an Evernote file on this. We do we use the web clip. Where we add it to Monday.com. We use all the all the all the different project <laughs> management tools needed. Now yeah, we, well, yeah, it's good. I, I mean, it's a cool for me because I can always have Pornhub in my browser and I can't get in trouble. It's work. Yeah, look at that. It's work. It, it's that it's that kind of idea where and and I think that you know startups and I mean startups is different because a lot of these guys are coming the the. The product is the difference, right? So their tone of voice and the way that they do things doesn't necessarily have to be so different because the product itself is so, uh, you know, it's not comparable to anything else on the market that it's like, oh, if you need something like that, you go to that. But if you need porn, you've got a million options. Yeah, so well, porn at the top of mind. I want to ask something that I think is a tough question. Maybe it's not. But um, so... The big difference between like the cannabis industry and the porn industry is kind of the context and the culture environment we live in. So like in terms of cannabis, uh, for example, marketing like cannabis products, stuff like that, the only people who are actually against you are like probably like the government or like uh, like no, nobody nobody's angry at cannabis. Roy, have you told 
Well, first of all, no, it's, would it, you tell your parents that you smoke? No, but it's like, like well, no, it's wait, 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 no stigma. No, there's a stigma. But uh, if you look at a, at a client as Pornhub, which porn, you know, I'm going, I'm going to go there. It's like the Me Too movement. There's like all this environment right now, which is not only it's not it, the, the problem with porn these days. is not it's not only like it's. Are you ashamed of admitting you watch porn? I think that's that's became uh, a lot. You're like, what does it represent in feminism? Yeah, yeah, how, yeah. How do you maneuver? And and for me, by the way, admittedly, the question is, how do you maneuver? Not how you avoid. It's like, how do you maneuver those? Because because right now, you know, in the age of Me Too, in the age of like uh, woman empowerment, in the age of like everything is cultural appropriation, PC, uh, all the shit that makes the world so boring. Um, so, so so how do you how do you how do you maneuver that? So there's a few things there, right? So the first thing is, uh, you know, what's Pornhub's implication, right? So Pornhub is a is a tube site. What they would what they would refer to as a tube site. Pornhub is basically YouTube. I mean, it is. They don't create the content. They're a platform. People upload their content. There's different channels. It's it, it's exactly like a YouTube, right? So Pornhub polices the content as much as they can, but they're as, as responsible for the individual content. As much as YouTube's responsible for videos, yeah, but I, but I'm not I'm not I'm not thinking about yeah. Porn, porn. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean in the Me yeah. Too movement. So that w- when you get into that, I think that's very interesting. It's a it's a it's a kind of a minefield, right? And there's a reason why we don't touch that too much. So porn yeah, has got you like, guys, you've done it fantastically. I think I think you. First of all, I was waiting for you to bring up the. Uh, the uh, the period uh, campaign, oh, the period. That yeah. That and was then, so. And also, I want to just mention the difference between and this might I haven't really dived into the approach of marijuana uh, fully, but like when you're talking about sex, you can go very serious and lose something because there's a lot of emotion in sex, and lose something with the people you're talking to, or you can go very humoristically, and people kind of like but open up to it. Sex isn't a problem with porn these days. What do you mean? Yeah, there's a whole documentary on Netflix about different types of porn that is coming out now that are for women and that they have different types of scenes, different types of things. Yeah, they approach yeah, it. Yeah, but that's that's that conversation is still very niche. Like the, the the big conversation going along with all this the movement is basically that saying that porn is something that exploits women. It's like portraying. So how does porn survive? So yeah. I can give you two two things. Um, the porn industry, I mean, has their own reckonings to, to deal with, right? But the so the thing about porn is, first of all, it's well, what it's the only industry that pays women more than men, besides modeling, um, it, with the difference. And I think Pornhub, what Pornhub has done is, first of all, the women porn stars are kind of the stars of Pornhub, right? So like the whole thing is about these women. So you get into tricky conversation there about. When you talk about porn, you talk about the girls being exploited. Um, the, those girls are the first to tell you that they're not being exploited. You know, they, they've made a choice to do this because either they're okay with it and they don't think there's something wrong with it, or there's anything wrong Wait, with I it. Wait, I want to stop you for a second because my question is not about is it good or bad. Like, that, like it's yeah. my, my question is, is as a marketer. Because I, the question is not about morality or stuff like that. I, yeah. I like I think I, culture right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I like the, like well, just just to make just to make clear. I I don't think the question is morality because I first of all I think it, no it's never mind. I'm not gonna go, even go to that conversation because uh, I agree with you more than uh, what I agree with people against it 
100%. But my question for you is actually, as a marketer, uh, how do you like? How do you deal with it when you start think about your campaigns, or how do you deal with it when you think about like pitching this to the press, or or when okay, you create so, a brand around that? That's my question. I'm not. It's not a moral so question. Always, so it's something we're conscious of. So first of all, um, how does knowing, it you? knowing the porn that porn is what it is seen seen as it is um, that people see it as exploitation of women. There's a reason why we don't make campaigns delving into that issue, because mm-hmm. you, you when you're when you could be whether you know right or rightly or not grouped in with you know being misogynist or being uh, sexist or exploiting women, and you have the choice of of the conversation. You're the one really that rolls the ball in the conversation. Well, you decide what you say. So we don't, we're smart enough to know that it would be counterproductive for us, even if we made a huge statement um, about Me Too and about everything. The amount of criticism we will receive from people, whether. Yeah, I, think, I think that you look at the Netflix, not, you look at the Netflix exactly. special what they, where they try to, you know, they're talking about women who are in the porn industry directing and what they're doing and how they're doing it and how they're yeah, trying the to make it equal. The, and it never ends. But the culture, wait, I But the culture, what you're saying is more of like, if I'm now like, do so, so wait, sorry. So what Alex is saying is that they're trying, they curve around that, right? In some way, because there's no reason to get into it. Because it's 50, 50 either way. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you an analogy for, for like stuff that we, we did in the, in the past few years. Right. Okay. It's going to be very different, but I'm, 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 I hope this will translate like my, my thought or, or concern or question. So when you do projects, for example, that has to do with the IDF or you have to do projects with the Navy SEALs and stuff like that, the Israeli Navy SEALs, and you do it online, doesn't matter what you write. It doesn't matter what you're going to write. You know, you're going to get some hate back. Yeah. Always. Always. Like, like you, you can basically show a picture of a dog hugging an Israeli soldier and three comments would be like something nasty about Israel. I think so you mean the soldier hugging a dog because now I was very interested. No. Yeah, I, I was going extreme. You're going to get this image. All right, got it. <laughs> this is a this is a this is a dog wearing an Elsa costume, <laughs> hugging a soldier. Got it, got it. Right. That's how cute this picture is. Uh, right. Um, so you're still gonna get some like uh, hate comments or people saying, "Oh, how can you do this and this when blah 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 blah." And again, as I said, all the annoying shit. Um, so 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 so. Go, not going straight at it, 100% smart decision. How, but how does it affect you when you think about the campaigns, for example? Um, the, 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 did that movement, for example, made you say, wait, let's do something that is specifically for women with a period campaign? Uh, does it, when, when you think about something like that? Yeah, uh, yeah, so I think the period campaign, for example, grew more out of women's uh, women's like empowerment movement. But actually the period campaign came out of the fact that the searches for porn for women grew by 70% that year. So there was like an actually like a large, you know, porn is predominantly for men and a male audience. Mm -hmm. And that year 
the amount of women using Pornhub grew like exponentially. Like it, so, it just grew a lot. So, so that, that from a real insight. So right? theoretically, that, I, Titcoin would be like when you said you're aware of it. I love when people say I'm aware or we're aware. And I, I don't know what the hell that means. But when you say we're aware of it and then you mention uh, like theoretically, you couldn't you wouldn't run the Titcoin campaign. No, today. now. I run that now. No, no, that's no, no, what no, it is. Because if I think right now I'm running through all the different campaigns I've seen, they're all done in a specific manner where it's either um, about a man. You know, let's say the, the wank, the wank bed is. Is it about well, wait, uh, in the video? It says for women as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I remember. I remember that thing that where someone asked you, "Is that also working?" Uh, but um, no, but I also the 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 uh, Rio de Janeiro one, the one for the Olympics. It's talking about sex. the The exercise one. The 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 the. the it's talking about. It's talking about sex. It's talking about two people having sex. It's not talking about you know the industry in a way where it's focusing either on, on you know. Uh, misogynistically looking at women or whatever, you know, like the, I think that that's, that's really cool because you can actually see when you say we're aware that you are aware and that the campaigns are coming out in a way where they're very, they're not titcoin. So everything, I mean, everything that's exactly like that campaign worked then, but you couldn't come out with that campaign now. And it's funny. I mean, there's, so there's criticisms on every campaign, but that's the internet too. So, There's always, I mean, if you just look at YouTube, there's always like a hundred times more likes than dislikes. Um, and we read all the comments because we love to read it when they go, oh, I love that line about this or about that. It gives you a little, a little boost. But we read, you know, the internet's just full of shit and hate. So it's hard to even discern between what's an actual criticism and what's not. When you start to see a bigger criticism, like, in newspaper articles or whatever, but it's funny. We never see any of those. It's like, and I search for it all. There's never negative, you know, people will say porn is, you know, they'll make a blanket statement about porn. They'll go, porn is disgusting, blah, blah, blah. Porn shouldn't be advertising. And that's it. But people don't get in and say, well, what about how come you didn't cover this or that? And and we really think about it. So for example, in when we did, um, uh, bang fit, so BankFit had three modes, like one person, a couple, and then a threesome. But we made sure in the campaign and the website to put that it, we will be adding uh, modes for gay and lesbian couples. Okay? So it's like we know the kind – it's easy to, 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 to look ahead and see the kind of criticisms that can come. You say it's like, okay, I'm talking about sex, blanket, general sex, but I only have a man and a woman. So I should probably talk about uh, gay couples as well because, you know, people are going to be offended if so I in, don't. In the pitching process, when someone pitches the headline in your office to, to you guys to try to say, hey, I have an idea, there comes this filtering section that comes right after it where you go, okay, let's think of how <laughs> – let's think – let's be negative. Let's do the devil's advocate kind of thing here and just think where is this going to, you know, bite us. Uh, well, so yeah. that first, I mean, the first thing we do is once we get the idea, we pitch it and we pitch it very simply. So we usually don't um, pitch it with the, the ad or pitch it with anything. We go, here's the spot. I mean, here's the spot. Here's the idea. Here's the kind of bit of the pre- preliminary wording um, that we're thinking about, like a uh, bang fit. And you say like, uh, the, you know, the, um or, or wank band, you say, oh, the wank band, uh, stop jacking off and start jacking on, you know, like little lines yeah. like that, get them 
they go, oh, okay, I can see where this can be funny or whatever. But we usually, once it's, once they bought the idea, then we get in the nitty gritty and we work out all the details. And that's when you get into writing the script and you say, okay, I'm missing this. I'm missing that. You get on the, the details of every screen. Every, you know, it's a very long process. Working no, on it's stuff. just very interesting. because For me, I would assume that what you do before you approach them is to kind of say, okay, how can this backfire? <laughs> like, you know, well, no, that's so that's, so we know that before, if we think it'll backfire on us, we, that comes in the, in the internal pitching process. Yeah. So if, the team pitches an idea to me. The first thought of mine is, no, be, people will fucking kill us if we do that, right? Or there's no way Pornhub will buy that or whatever. I mean, we know the client well enough. Uh, we've done enough work that we um, we understand, uh, you know, what's going to work, what's not going to And we live in the real world, you know? It's like yeah. if, if somebody brings me a campaign that's wholly offensive, I can tell you, A, Pornhub's not going to buy it, and B... Why would we, you know, why would a company spend money to put out a piece of content that's only going to bring them criticism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're, you're always going to make something, you're going for making something that everyone's going to love. And you want that if people hate it, it's because they, they just don't like you. And I, I think we're fine with that. If, you know, if people hate it because they don't like Pornhub, there's not much we can do about that, you know, can but I, as long as it brings new people over and, and gets more people excited about it, I think that's like, that's our, 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 our final goal there. But it's like what you were saying before, um, how do we do with the criticism? Um, go read a, go read a YouTube comment section. There's an anti-Semitic remark on every single one for absolutely <laughs> No reason. I mean, they don't even have anything Sorry. to do with what they do. That's funny. And so, and so it makes me, I mean, I laugh at it, you know? I mean, I find it, I just like, you know, it's the internet. It's like, what can I say? How can I troll people so that like people will click and get a reaction? So, but there's an overwhelmingly larger amount of positive feedback than negative. And we, again, we read that stuff so we make sure also, I mean, you want to feel of things and you want to feel of how people are reacting, but you also don't want to, you know, the point is not to offend. The point is to make something that that people will love and they'll associate with the brand. Do you, do you feel, and uh, I know we're getting close to the end of our time, but I just want to quickly ask this. Do you feel that the, the, campaign, the campaign ideas that you have that are more humoristic, for example, the one about the period, um, is more of an infographic kind of campaign rather than a humoristic one. Like, yeah. I, not not to say that it's not funny or that it doesn't have its little moments or sentences, but would you say that the approach is is more humor is what ends up delivering better results with Pornhub? And then the next, then the small follow up to that would be do you, and this has to be really if you thought about it because like if you haven't gotten to it that's fine. But um, the approach to to marijuana right now is, and the cannabis industry, is very serious. It's about changing stigmas. Um, and that's what the main things that you're seeing right now. Um, in comparison to that, when marijuana got legalized, they had the, uh, I think it's called Cut, cut Off or Cut It, the uh, YouTube uh, series, where they did Grandma Smoking Pot for the first time. Which oh, was like no, a very. It's a very viral like uh, video, and it, it was very humoristic to see three grandmothers. One of them is the director's grandma, sitting and having a joint for the first time, and getting very high and saying ridiculous stuff. So I'm wondering if 
if you see that humor works very well uh, with Pornhub better than than information based, and what your thoughts of cannabis would be. So, good question. Um, humor. Well, so the whole idea of using humor and the the info. I mean, not even the info. The the, the original idea when we did Titcoins and we did Wang Fan, using animation and using humor was to break the ice, mm-hmm. right? Like the, I, the humor is a great way. To, 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 to get people to put their guard down and actually listen to what you're saying, right? If we were all serious and preachy, I don't think anyone would, would listen too much. And I think, to be honest, looking at the general audience of, of Pornhub, which is males 18 to 45, they just like to laugh, you know? And the internet is more, I think, about, you know, if it's about two things, it's about hate and it's about humor, right? And the two things, unfortunately, move equally well um, but, but the, the humor for us is a way to, to, in, for people to, to endear ourselves to people so that they, they kind of like Pornhub, right? It's part of the branding, you know, Pornhub's a humorous brand. They do funny things at the same time. Pornhub is a lifestyle brand. They're super cool and they do all these things, but you know, it, the, the humor's definitely helped, especially in it's what gets more comments going. It's what gets people wanting to watch the video more than once because they, you know, they want to see that laugh again. And if we're serious, I think people get uh, more into the idea at the same time. We're very, very seldom serious. Um, But even then with humor, I think there's humor in absolutely everything that we do. But like example is um, the sex instrument song. Yeah. It's not really it's not really a funny idea per se. I mean it's a nice song and there's some funny elements but it's not funny and that one just hit uh 4 million views is our second most successful campaign for them. So I would love to say that I mean I would love to say that I have the formula and, and say that humor works better. I think humor works better with this client in general. I mean I think that And in the cannabis industry expect. and with the cannabis industry I think that it's using the same approach. I think the difference with cannabis is I think the criticisms of cannabis are different, right? So when people see cannabis as something that can, you know, people see porn as something that's immoral and people see cannabis as something that can hurt you and something that can corrupt like youth, even though porn obviously can do that too. So it's like cannabis is trying really hard to be taken seriously. Porn doesn't need to be taken. You know, it's like um, cannabis is trying hard to be taken seriously because they think that's the way to to get the detractors over to their side who just see, you know, because that, that I think the and image of also talking to, to politicians and to people like that, then they need to, exactly. to not make it into a joke because probably marijuana has already been taken as a joke for years. Um, exactly. And porn, on the other hand is something that people, it's always been kind of funny to people, you know, it's like, ah, you go jack off or whatever, but it's something that everybody does and nobody talks about, right? Obviously not everybody goes on Pornhub, but everybody masturbates. And cannabis is a different thing in that it's not something that everybody does. And, And there's been like a consistent campaign for years and years and years to demonize it. Mm-hmm. And people buy into that, you know. I mean, you guys, I'm sure, have the same programs we had when I was a kid, like uh, the Dare program or whatever. I mean, nobody talks to you about porn when you're five years old, but they're already talking to you about drugs, yeah. right? And cannabis, and you know that it's so bad for you, whatever. That said, 
I think that if their if their job if if their goal is to bring non-smokers over to the can over to the cannabis industry, then seriousness probably works because people think pot smokers are silly. You yeah. know, I mean, they think that was you know that's always oh the he's cliche. just a stoner, and then you're just like, exactly like, him. oh look, it's funny you know it's just dumb stoner. But I, I think that if and maybe this is what happens in five years when the competition between cannabis companies becomes really tense, that's when they're going to have to start differentiating each other one from the other. And, and each one's going to have to go beyond their product and, and dig into their brand and say, um, who, uh, you know, you know, I guess there'll just be a part where someone turns around and say, we can laugh at this now. Yeah, but I'll give you an example. Like I'm, I'm uh, Men Men, and and I'm I don't know uh, Cannabis Shop number one. Uh, Men Men, everybody knows Men Men. But if Cannabis Shop one starts doing really funny advertising that really gets to people, and they're like, oh, I really like them, they'd be willing to try them out instead of Men Men. It, it, you yeah. can frame the conversation, and you can even make suddenly make your competitor who's infinitely better than you seem boring. I think that's, that's one of the things that can work. And that's one of the ways when humor, the one of the places where humor has, has a place. So I think it's depends on the audience. If the audience is pot smokers, go with being funny because you know, you want to differentiate yourself from the other brands. If your audience is non pot smokers, well, you may need to take an approach that's much more mature serious people, you know, so people, think of you as someone who's serious and you're not just peddling some bullshit, right? Yeah. Alex, I, I would like to thank you so much for giving us time. I, I would like to one day meet you in Madrid and just sit with you for hours uh, and talk about everything. Um, Whenever you want to come, I'd love to go to Israel too. My parents are trying to drag me there. So that'd be awesome. I would definitely come. I just don't have any free time. <laughs> that'd be awesome or one day i'll just meet you in miami and you can show me that really cool store with vintage stuff um oh, yeah every time you took a picture or something i was like damn it i want that um yeah i, I spent about three hours there last time i was there so yeah, yeah it's, I, I, it's I a bit of a problem um okay so i would like to thank you uh guys anyone listening to the podcast this is uh, a pleasure for me and uh and roy too yeah thanks so much it's i think there's so many challenges in that industry and i think we I think I think n- nobody would have tackled those better in terms of discussing them. Thank you, Roy. Appreciate that. It's a, it's and and it's it's actually fun to talk about. I mean, I love talking about the work that we do. I mean, we spend hours and hours and hours and hours working in like a a closed off room. So when you can finally find out that that you know other people really relate to it and they really like it, I mean, it's a great it's a great boost. It makes working till 4 a.m. every day um, not seem so pointless. Cool. So awesome episode. Uh, if you guys are listening, well, you probably are. Otherwise, what, what's the point? But if you're still listening, if you're still listening, that's what that's what I meant to say. Like, subscribe, uh, tell a friend. Uh, Watch the new Michael Jackson Netflix documentary. 
Really? Why would I want to watch a four-hour pedophile like reencampment? Well, 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 because the R. Kelly one is eight hours. Oh, okay, fine, I get it. I just have to say before we go is that uh, when I saw that I saw that I wanted to see the the Michael Jackson documentary, so it was two episodes, two hours each. I was like, my God, this person is like horrible. And then I saw that R. Kelly. I was like, oh my God, there's six episodes. That guy is horrible. Because <laughs> you have to include peeing as a full episode. <laughs> uh, all right, guys, thank you for listening, and uh, come back next week for more. Yeah.